Well, good morning. Here I'm sitting here just enjoying the music and forgetting that I'm song leader. <laughs> it's good to be back. Why don't we start by singing together uh, number 15, O Worship the King. Thank you, Irene, for the music and uh, Pastor Vic for, for the song. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here, and uh, um, I'm uh, pleasantly surprised there are so many of you here in spite of the Labor Day weekend. And also, it's good to see that the balcony is filling up. And uh, for the visitors, a uh, hearty welcome to you. I hope you were well received at the door. And also for those that will watch uh, this service uh, during the week or uh, listen to the service, we pray that you will be blessed. You will have noticed uh, Pastor Vic is back from his holidays. Refreshed, sporting a new look, and inspired to minister on the blessings of work. Let's give him a good welcome. How fortunate we are, blessed with good harvesting weather, and I understand the harvest is bountiful. 
but it seems like everybody's looking for more help and are willing uh, and willing to equip the helpers if they would only come. Does that sound familiar? Yes. It begs the all-important question, how is the Lord's harvest coming? And it reminds me of the passage in scripture found in Luke chapter 10, verse two. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I suggest you read the rest of that chapter. It contains a powerful message. For the opening prayer, I would again like to have you join uh, with me in concluding with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, after I, I say, as the Lord taught us to pray, the last time I led with the Lord's Prayer, it was, I used it from the NIV Student Bible. Uh, and uh, today I will lead using the King James Version, Matthew chapter six. So I think uh, we are probably more familiar with that. So please stand if you're able to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for that you are our God. You have provided us with a beautiful morning. Thank you for your nearness and your abundance of grace. Receive our praises in song and music this morning. Enrich our faith as we dwell in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to pray. So this morning we take delight in praying, bringing our prayer before you as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pastor Rick will lead us in song. You can be seated. The reason I'm song leader this morning is because Helen Reimer was unable to be here. She went down uh, to be with her parents and uh, they are struggling with their health. So if you remember Helen, pray for her and for her parents. Let's sing now number 555, Would You Be Free?
thinking about work this morning, and so I included that song as, uh, as the work that Christ has done on our behalf. And now, another song about work, Work for the Night is Coming. We don't have much time. Sometimes we get lulled into thinking there's lots of time. And sometimes we realize there isn't much time, especially when somebody passes away. Work for the Night is Coming. Take a look at the bulletin. I notice there are numerous announcements, so I'll be brief and leave details for, your, for you to review on your own. On page two, the church office will be closed Monday for the Labor Day weekend, and our worship service start time of 9.30 will continue until our quarterly membership meeting, November 21, when it will be reviewed. The Education Committee is hoping to start a Sunday school program in fall. They need your prayers, interested children, and volunteers. Baptism and membership classes are again offered. So contact Pastor Dean or the church office. And then we have church family concerns. In Boundary Trails, we have Tina Suderman and March Thiessen, Carmen Hospital, Menno and Nettie Jansen, Rock Lake Hospital, and Weens. And condolences, 
Wally Neufeld passed away September 1st. Funeral is Tuesday, September the 6th at 2 p.m. in the church here. And uh, so please remember them in prayers. And also in that the funeral is here, there will be a lunch served and there is a request for volunteers. And uh, what is hoped for is help at one o'clock, uh, a setup crew at two o'clock, food preparation crew at 2.45, serving crew at 3.30, cleanup crew. So uh, there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. So uh, if you're able and would like to give a hand, uh, please register and uh, we'll try to make it all happen. Okay, then going to page three, uh, meals group. Uh, the church is thinking about the future and the need to deliver meals to people of our church. Needed our volunteers. And uh, so this is um, um, something that uh, will be planned according to the number on the list. Then on page four, coming events. September the 25th, that'd be on a Sunday, we are expecting Don and Char to share their mission experience, which will be followed with a church family potluck. And then uh, refugee sponsorship. The missions committee needs volunteers to assist in the sponsorship of Sahari Mahuanzu and his family. And the application requires to have a resettlement plan in place and the names of those willing to assist the family. The family's arrival will take some time. So if you're interested in helping there, uh, there's more information on that. The next item is a heads up. Uh, this fall, we would like to begin home Bible study groups, and we will call them discovery groups. This is where friends can gather in a home to study the word, care, share, and invite friends. For more information, uh, there is more information to follow. With that, uh, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your enduring love and grace. We give you thanks for the wonderful fall weather you have provided and pray that the harvest workers be kept safe as they gather the harvest and for the travelers this long weekend that they travel safe. Today we bring before you those that are in hospital, Tina Suderman, Marge Thiessen, Ann Weens, Manonetti Jansen, and others who are struggling with health issues at home. We pray that your healing hand be upon them 
and assure them that you are near them in their journey. Be with Elma and her family, we pray, as they mourn the loss of Wally. May precious memories and your comfort sustain them. Lord, we pray for, once again, to provide a Sunday school for the young people. Inspire those gifted in teaching and the children to respond and receive the blessing which awaits them. Lord, your fam church family can bring fulfillment to those that seek you. We pray that the offering of an, op an opportunity to enrich their faith journey and re receive uh, baptism bear fruit. Our missions committee has begun a refugee sponsorship for the Muhanduci family. We pray for guidance in fulfilling the requirements and the volunteers to help provide the blessings awaiting this family. Lord, as we seek to engage the church family in Bible study groups, inspire us for greater learning, sharing your, our faith with others so that they too uh, experience salvation. Now, as we receive the offering and share the bountiful blessings you have provided, we pray that it will be a blessing to your purpose. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided for a safe holiday return for Pastor Vic and Eileen, and inspired Pastor Vic to encourage us to reach toward the blessings of being engaged in work. Give him the words to speak and open our hearts to hear. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. And ushers, would you please come and receive the offering? And Irene will give us the offertory, followed by Eileen and scripture reading.
Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 to 13. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this, not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread you, they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. Well, here we are. This is Labor Day weekend. And uh, I've never done this before. I've never talked about work before. But to, so today I will talk about work. And I think in this group, we're probably all well familiar with work. And I won't tell you anything new today. But it's good to have reminders, isn't it? There are many things we could say about work. We could look at it from the point of view of the developed world, or the developing world, or the third world. Or we could look at it through the lens of employers, and labor unions, and employees, and even the unemployed. Work, as seen by governing authorities, would give us another view, and of course child laborers and forced labor would give us yet another picture of what work is. Many in this world are put to work against their will through human trafficking or those who are seduced into situations where they end up as slave labor. For many people, work is associated with a bad situation, one that makes them unhappy. And why is that? Why is it that people are not happy with work? Is it because work itself is a bad thing? Or is it because people, through their own unrighteous behavior, take advantage of others for their own gain? What if the idea of work had not been corrupted? What if it was a blessing, a privilege, a treasure, a joy? Imagine a world where everyone who could work, would. Where fathers didn't leave their families, and everyone was honest, and there was no treachery. Who wouldn't want to work in a world like that? I think the idea of work has been soiled in the same way that the idea of submission has been soiled. Who likes to talk about submission? To us, it has the notion of one person having power over another person who had no say in the arrangement. 
It sounds unfair. Yet, we accept it as good in the right situation. We think it's appropriate for children to submit to their parents, for people to submit to their governing authorities. But what about a wife submitting to her husband? We can hardly stand to talk about it because our perception of submission has been tainted by the world's perception that submission is not good. Well, the idea of work has likewise been corrupted. It seems that many in the developed world love to hate their jobs. There are many reasons why people don't like their jobs. The fact that recreation and entertainment have been so elevated in our society means that work actually competes with our fun time. Is it because work itself is a bad idea that many people don't like their jobs? Is it a necessary evil? Yet for all the discontent about work, somehow we all know we have to do it and that it's needed. Part of our misperception is that we forget where work comes from. Where does the idea of work originate? At the beginning of Genesis, in chapter 2, after God completed his creation, we read, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The idea of work begins with God, and it predates the human race. Work is God's idea. So if God himself does work, how can it be a bad thing? And because of how God operates, in that he commands his people to do the things that he does, he commanded Adam to work also. In chapter 2 of Genesis, we read, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. <clears throat> this was not a punishment. There, there had been no sin in the picture at this point. This was something for man to do that would give him purpose and dignity and train him to be like his heavenly father. There's even an earlier command that God gave Adam. And it's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you think it's possible to obey that command without doing work? It's like the command the Lord spoke to Moses. When Israel was getting ready to enter the promised land, God said to Moses, and you shall take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given the land to you to possess. So even though God gave them the land, it was theirs, they still had to take it. And taking it meant work. So both of these commands were commands to work. In Genesis chapter 3, we come to another command to work. And here uh, the Lord says, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. 
Now lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Well, at this point, uh, the fall of man had already happened. Adam had already sinned. But the command to work the ground was now accompanied by the curse with which God cursed the ground because of Adam's sin. This is the curse. God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all your, the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Genesis 3:17 to 19. So this is where the concept of work might be, uh, take on a bit of a sour tone, because thorns and thistles and pain had become part of the work experience. So from this point of view, it's understandable that many people maybe don't enjoy work. Work is not always pleasant. It's often repetitious. And sometimes it seems a whole lot more difficult than it needs to be. However, if one remembers that work is the result of sin, sorry, if one remembers that work itself is not inherently painful and troublesome, but the pain and thistles are the result of sin, then we can direct our displeasure to the fact that we sin. That's the thing that should give us displeasure. It's the result of our sin that we have pain and unpleasantness in work. Imagine how much fun it will be in heaven where there is no curse to make work difficult, no weeds, no thorns, no pain, just abundant growth. Wow, <laughs> that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Can you imagine farming or gardening in a place like that? Another reason that work may be unpleasant is that uh, just as there are many types of people, there are many types of work. One of the reasons people do not like work is that they may be mismatched to their work. They're not doing something they like to do. Some people like to have a variety of challenges in their work, or they get bored because uh, the task is just repetitious. Other people like facing many new challenges every day, and they prefer that over routine. Sometimes we have a choice about these things, and sometimes we don't. As a youth, I thoroughly enjoyed my summers on my uncle's farms. One thing I enjoyed about routine work was that once I had mastered the task, my mind was free and I could spend all day thinking as I worked. Field work and trucking are like that. On the other hand, every day on the farm had new challenges. One day it was fencing, next it was constructing a new grain bin or shipping hogs or going to find hogs that had gotten out of the pen or repairing equipment, or shingling the house, or repairing a tire, like there's just so many things to do. Every farmer knows that. And I think I can say that I have mostly enjoyed working in my life, 
And when I didn't, I decided to make the best of it because that's what I was taught to do. I remember a friend of ours who shared a conversation she had with her daughter. Our friend told her daughter uh, to do a certain household task and that daughter said that that work was bothersome to her and she didn't really like to do it. And our friend simply responded, well then do it till you like it. <laughs> I think there's some wisdom in that statement. We've all done tasks that we do not prefer, but we do them because they need doing. And in the end, we learn to do unpleasant tasks without complaining because we know that there is a benefit. We do the work because it produces the desired outcome. And finally, work is just work. What difference does it make if I really love the work that I'm doing or if I don't? It is our attitude that usually requires the most adjusting, not the unpleasantness of the work. I mentioned that work has its benefits, and I think most of us recognize the value of work. So let's look at, at a few of those benefits. First, work provides for our basic needs. Through work, we produce food for our tables. By our labor, we are able to build shelters to live in and clothes to wear. And our work produces the income that we need to provide for ourselves and for our families and even for those in need. So it provides the basics. Second, work gives us purpose. It's a very difficult thing to live when you don't think you have a purpose. What motivates you when you have no purpose? We've been created for work and that is one thing that gives us purpose. The work we've been given is to care for one another in the home, in the church, and in the community. Parents care for their children, and later on, children care for their parents. Siblings also learn to care for each other. In the church, we care for each other as there is need. And this week, we are going to care for Elba Neufeld and her family. And we're going to lay aside the things that we had planned to do, the things that we want to do, and we're going to come together and we're going to help. Help a grieving family. In the community, we work on boards like Salem and Eden. We sit on rec committees and arts committees and we work at MCC and join other teams to do work that will benefit the community. Through work, we're also able to help those who have less than we do. We're able to contribute to the welfare of others. This is the exact opposite of theft. The thief takes away, the worker contributes. Ephesians 4.28 says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That is a noble thing. We've also been given the work of spreading the good news of the gospel. There's nothing that will serve the community better than to make Christ known in the communities where we live. Work gives us purpose. Thirdly, work gives us dignity. There's a great deal of dignity in being able to provide for oneself, one's family, and others. 
Scripture affirms the dignity of work when it says the labor deserves his wages, 1 Timothy 5.18, and the labor deserves his food, Matthew 10.10. There's satisfaction in not having to depend on others to meet our own needs, and further satisfaction in being able to help others. We cannot do this our whole lives, of course, but during the most productive years of our lives, it is good to be self-sufficient when it comes to our needs. When we are children, we're very dependent. And usually when we are older, we become increasingly dependent as well. This is not a disgrace, but an opportunity to humble ourselves, which the Lord also commends. Therefore, it is good to work when we can. This brings honor and dignity to the person who works and to his or her family, and also to the whole community. And fourth, work provides a sense of identity. I preached recently about identity, and work is a huge part of our identity. People identify us by what we do, especially in a town where a lot of people have the same name. You know, it's it's uh, Nick Friesen at co-op. Well, then you know what he does, and... Uh, <laughs> That's how we identify him, right? Or somebody else in a different uh, industry. I'm, I'm Victor Engbrecht, and somebody might ask, well, who's that? Well, you could say, well, he's a preacher, he's a pastor, he's a Bible teacher, he's a singer, he's a choir conductor, a board member, a volunteer, a husband, a father, a grandfather. Each one of us does a number of or does a number of things in a number of areas that shape our identity. The work that we do tells us tells people who we are. And our work is significant in shaping that. Our identity is also in the one for whom we work. This is true to some extent when we work for another person. It is certainly the case when we remember that we live for the Lord and therefore work for him in all things. In Colossians chapter 3, at verse 18, we read, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Remembering that we work for the Lord is a good motivator to do good work. And much of our identity is in our work, especially when we remember that we serve the Lord Christ. Other benefits of work include building community through relationships that happen when we work. When I married into the Reimer family in Landmark, chicken killing was an annual work day for the whole family. If you want a chicken, you better show up. <clears throat> and working together toward a common goal does a lot to build relationships. 
I have stronger relationships in that family because we worked together. And work is also a practical way to love people. It tells people that we value them when we put effort into serving them. If someone does a whole pile of work that benefits us and doesn't really benefit the person who did the work, then we feel valued. We feel significant and it spurs us on to love and good deeds, good works. Work also brings satisfaction and if we're willing, work can be very enjoyable. I know, I know a man, a friend of mine in Landmark, he just loved working. That was just a thrilling thing for him. And I, I remember the first time I encountered him, I had to kind of think twice about that, but I have come to understand what he means, I think. So these are some of the obvious benefits of work. So the idea of work is everywhere in the Bible because it is an integral part of living out our faith. And because it is intertwined with our faith, there are warnings in scripture for those who do not want to work. Let me share a few of those. Um, Exodus 20, 15, you shall not steal. The only way to avoid stealing is to provide for yourself through honest work. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. If you do nothing, it produces nothing. Proverbs 21, verse 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Ecclesiastes 10.18 Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. We all know if you don't maintain your house, it will deteriorate until it's finally ruined. And uh, here's one from Proverbs 24. It's a little longer. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, a <clears throat> and want like an armed man. Failing to work brings poverty. In 1 Timothy 5.8 we read, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Here we can see that the work of providing for family is a high priority for God. James 2.26 for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. If you do no work, what does that say about your faith? Can you say that you have faith if you refuse to work? So those are warnings. The largest section of scripture that talks about work and offers a warning 
is the one that Eileen, I can't even say my own wife's name, is one that Eileen read for us earlier from 2 Thessalonians 3 at verse 6. I'm going to read that again. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not according and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day. And we might not be a burden that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not weary in doing good. So we can see from the scriptures that work is important to God and that he takes it seriously. He requires all of us to work. Yet there's nothing special about the command to work as far as the commands of God are concerned. Most other commands that God gives are things that God does himself. God speaks truth. God exercises, mer exercises mercy. He extends grace. He loves, he rebukes, he forgives. All these things he commands us to do. And likewise, God does not steal. God does not commit adultery or murder or deceive. All the things that we are not command commanded not to do. So when we do work, we are doing what we are created to do. And because our Father in heaven also works, we do a godly thing when we work. So let's not do as the world does and complain about work. Let's work heartily as for our Lord. Let's choose to enjoy our work because God has enabled us to do it. Let's enjoy our work because it is a godly thing to do and it has so many benefits for us and for all those who are around us. Psalm 128 verses 1 and 2 say this, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. What's interesting about this verse is that it highlights the difference between the work of an unbeliever and the work of a man of God. We who fear the Lord are blessed with the enjoyment of what our labors have produced. That's a guarantee. That guarantee does not exist for the unbeliever. And finally, let's take encouragement from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 
Whatever we work we do in his name will be remembered and rewarded. Whether one is a tradesman, a teacher, a farmer, a salesman, a homemaker, we can all do our work as for the Lord. And along the way, we can do the work of building relationships, of bringing Jesus into people's lives. Remember what Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's from Matthew 6 at verse 19. The only way to build up your treasure is to work. The work of provision, the work of generosity where there is need, the work of evangelism, the work of prayer, the work of proclaiming the word of the Lord, the work of loving your neighbor, and the work of living a godly life in a godless world. Work is a blessing and a godly thing to do. Let's encourage each other in our work as we work together and as we honor the Lord by working for him. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you that you have opened up our eyes to see what your word has to say about work. And I thank you that we are affirmed in our work, knowing that it is a godly thing to do, and that by it, many good things happen. I pray, Father, for each person here. There are some here who maybe wish they could do more but cannot. But you know what they can do. There, are, there is always a thing to do. One can pray. One can uh, bring someone to Christ. And there are many, many things. I just pray, Father, that you would uh, put it in us, not only to be willing to work, but eager to work, and then find the work that we can do and do it with joy. Thank you, Father, that you have given us work to do. And I pray that the work we do would be acceptable in your sight. Thank you that you love us and that you walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing together one more work song. I don't even know if you know this song. To the work. It's in your bulletins. Do we know this song? Yes? No? Not sure? Some do. <laughs> After the first two verses, you'll know it. <clears throat> let's sing. Why don't you stand? What are you? 
Would you receive this benediction and blessing? Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself our, and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>